now when i'm consulting with people often the value that i'm bringing is helping them figure out hey here are the questions you can ask yourself to figure out how you are thinking things and what is everyone valuing and why are they valuing the things that they're valuing hi i'm devya hi i'm karan and this is thinking on thinking It's funny. I was actually thinking about you while I was like lifting today because I was like doing a uh, bench press and I like I just I've not been able to like like hit the goal my app has been telling me and it's mm. like very depressing about the way it tells you. It's like you have failed this combination of weights and reps twice before. Wow. <laughs> We've now reduced the number of reps. And I was like, "No, I will do it." Um and I was thinking about it because I think like something about how I feel because I I where it's like why did I never work out before? And it's like it was because I always wondered like the possibility of what could be when i worked out consistently was more exciting than what i perceived the outcome would going to be so hmm. i didn't want to like lose the imagination moment right and lose the moment where everything is a possibility hmm. and i think that there's a certain um i can't decide like the word that came to mind was blissfulness there's a certain blissfulness i guess um to like having infinite possibilities and i know that there's there continues to be infinite possibilities right so like hmm. the the it's not it's kind of a false uh perception to think that like once you can start to go down a path that your number of possibilities are limited this is also one of the reasons why companies fail to make changes especially the bigger they become they fail to realize they still have infinite possibilities in front of them yeah yeah and like every choice becomes so loaded like the more further down the path you go the more loaded each choice is right it's so like, funny it's i remember there was some like discussions in the the pandemic uh early in the pandemic when like my my sister's company had lost a lot of customers and there was no like there was almost no one coming on board right mm-hmm. and we were thinking about just chucking the entire onboarding experience Hmm. And there was just so much resistance. I remember Tristan, who's her CTO, had just joined at that point, and he was like, "Guys, there's like six people using it. Hmm. <laughs> like, like we could just start over." And I don't think we ended up doing it. Right? We ended up doing a very iterative approach because it was like we didn't want to jar the experience for people who had started it. But it's you know, in retrospect, it's nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense. Right? Yeah. But it's hard. I mean, even what we talked about last week, I think, or, or I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, actually, or when I was running with the next and thinking about what to do, the fact that we had spent so many crores on content weighed on my mind, right? Like I knew that we had built this content, and the content was this valuable thing in this organization, and hmm. you know, finding some way to it, I, it wasn't like I felt of it as guilt. It was like this is one of my by my assets. How am I going to leverage this? Because I don't have that many assets, right? Like I need to hmm. leverage the assets that we have. Now, you know, in the beginning, you had no assets except for the possibilities. But then once you have them in hand, and I think this is exactly why it bothers me, right? Because once you have them in hand, it's so hard to escape from that feeling. But that, isn't it just sunk cost fallacy? It is. I mean, part of it is sunk cost fallacy. Part of it, I also feel like is. So there was this thing um when we when I was still like you know in the point of decision of should we end up working together or not um I remember having this conversation with my sister and 
honestly feeling very scared. Oh, but what if I leave everything that I know and I go do something completely different, right? I've worked in a certain way and like, what if I don't work in that way ever? And she was like, see, but you are thinking of it as like, you know, oh, I'm living in India and now I'm going to go and live in Greece. But it's honestly more like, you know how to speak English and now you're learning how to speak Korean. Nobody can take away English from you. You have that knowledge and you have that information. And I'm not sure if that would be true for everyone at all times, for all decisions. But I think that that distinction is important. You're not going to forget how to speak English just because you learn Japanese. And our brain sometimes convinces us that a decision is moving to a different country rather than learning a different language. I give you that for sure, right? I think that that, that just like resonates with me when you say it. But I think the, the side that I'm thinking about from is a little bit different. It's like once you have like a mental conception of like, say, like what a tall building is, right? Um, hmm. I say that because I, I have some tall buildings out my window, right? But that will start to start to, to color how you think of what tall buildings can be. That's why I almost feel like remind, having this kind of reminder that, that like what you see is not what all of what there is. And I think having this notion in your head that there could be like this, like, like there's an ultimate version of a building and these are just like shadows, right? It, it pushes you to keep thinking about like, well, how could this be better? I, I don't know. I don't know if it, it pushes you into thinking, like reimagining what, like the purpose of what a building is. And then hmm. if that, and I think that is actually kind of the most useful side of the thinking. Um, I also think that like, um, this was a conversation I was having with a friend last night. Um, but I think oftentimes when we are reasoning through things, especially when we call like, you know, ourselves data driven or heuristics driven or whatever, we are confusing deductive reasoning with inductive reasoning. Say more. Um, so deductive reasoning is like, you know, one plus one equals two. And it's always going to be two because you can prove it. Inductive reasoning is sun rises in the east every morning. So sun will continue to rise in the east every morning. Um, And I feel like the, honestly, the conception of what is the ideal person, thing, company, project, product, building, it comes from past data and not imagining free form what possibly could be. Apparently, I'm curious what you what you would say. I think you would say that this is deductive reasoning. But you know when, um, um, gosh, Jeff Bezos it really took me a second. I was like, who started Amazon? <laughs> uh, apparently, I was just reading this in that I that I'm like very slowly reading this biography of the IDEO founder. Or it's kind mm-hmm. of an autobiography, kind of the story of the company. And he talks about how um, when when Bezos was starting Amazon, that he read this line that the web is growing at 230%, per, sorry, 2,300% per year. And when he understood that, he immediately got like flew to Texas or something and he like bought a used car and then he started like driving west and like as he was like this is like because he was starting the company in California Mm -hmm. and uh, as he was doing this he like hadn't figured out entirely what what would be the right thing but he knew that there would be something you could sell online and that something would be because there this was creating a new a new channel where you Mm -hmm. didn't have to maintain the inventory and the stock right and so he arrived at books and music and then quickly launched books and then music now, yeah, would you say that that was like deduction around like, oh, look, here's this data around like what? I mean, I think that was a lot of creative thinking. 
Like I don't think that he arrived at it through just like you know flat logic, because it's not like you know what is going to happen, but he asked what could happen. Yeah, and like that's yeah, a subtle yeah. distinction. What's going to happen is more you're going towards a reasoning side. What could happen is like you're trying to construct something new, which is creativity. At least like just using that framework. That's so interesting you say that. When I do a lot of creative work, to me, it feels like I am. Uh, there's a certain inevitability to it, so mm. it's just interesting the way that you you framed that. That because I I don't think about it like that. Like I never think about what could be with something. It's just like this is the right thing for this. Interesting. Like, I'm not surprised, <laughs> but say more. <laughs> um, I think like there's a certain point. Like when I write poetry, there's a certain like point um where it just feels done right and I, that's why i was telling you once i think that like i almost never revise any of my poetry right maybe like a tiny bit like i would say like one word for every 10 poems maybe or even every like 30 poems right oh, wow. but like yeah yeah it's like i'll change like a couple of words here and there and usually it's like a tense or something and mm. oftentimes i were like usually when i'm reading it i'll remember that i was like upset about it when i was writing it and then like it will still like not and for example, like in the book I just published, I changed the end of one. Like I changed three lines. And now every time I read it, I, I, I can like I hear the original three lines in my head. <laughs> like Every single time. It's like it's funny because. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, it's just like it feels like like you're helping. I don't know. I, I think this is how I think about it. There's like a certain inevitability to it that you're helping something be created. I was recently talking about this with my partner about how I don't think that I have a clear vision, especially when like it's things of pure creativity. I just start and it happens. Yeah, but I feel like that's that's the same thing as what I'm saying, right? No, not really. It doesn't feel like I'm uncovering something. It's almost like I'm meandering through a forest and I decide to stop and set up camp somewhere. And wherever I stop is wherever I stop. Like, honestly, the quote that, you know, the, you gave the Michelangelo example of, uh, you know, uh, how sculptors bring out the sculpture. They just remove the yeah. parts that weren't the sculpture, right? Yeah, for sure. I relate a lot more with art is never finished. It's just abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> um. So, like I, it is not the same thing. Even though, of course, we both end up finishing things. I don't think it's the same perspective. No, yeah, I think that's also why I don't always like to get like sometimes. It's such a funny and very small example, but like when I was younger, my mom would like want me to like decide really like small things like what should we eat, and like I wouldn't want to commit to it because once I committed, then if we didn't eat that, I would feel more upset. But if I hadn't committed in my like if I hadn't right i hadn't realized that this was the right thing that one should be eating right now <laughs> then <laughs> it's fine but once you arrived at that it's very frustrating more frustrating interesting okay so then i have a weird question how, how does it feel to work together with me because i'm i don't have that platonic ideal 
even when we have worked on things together often times you'd be like oh my god i don't know where this is gonna what's this is gonna look like and i am just like ha oh, it's gonna look fine i'm sure it's gonna look okay i'll do something and i'll spend some time on it and it will look fine after some time but it's just like it's a very different approach sometimes i can't see it all the way till when something is done but i can see it a bit better hmm So I think that's what happens in those situations is I end up shortening my perspective on w- where I'm trying to get it to. Mm, okay, say more. Yeah, so when I feel like I don't I can't like see the end of the journey, but I can see I will be able to always see some milestone that I can help bring this to. Mm. So then I just operate for that milestone. It's like an in-between platonic ideal if you want to think about it that way. <laughs> Interesting. Does it feel disorienting? No, because I've had to do it in so many contexts in so many different ways. Because the world is like that. But isn't the world like almost always trying to move towards a platonic ideal of everything? Like the perfect person, the perfect son, the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, the perfect company, oh, the perfect team member, everything. Because those I don't feel as much <laughs> about like that those exist i guess okay it's like i feel like those are like the people are the variables hmm. not the constants as in like no one could be the perfect child yeah whereas like things there are other things that you could aspire to being because i guess things have to be perfect for their situation okay. um and i think Like there's no the, the like a perfect chair for me here in Bangalore is not going to be the same even for myself, right? A perfect chair in like I don't know Copenhagen, right? Or like a place that's a dramatically different weather or climate, right? Mm. But that doesn't mean that like like still I'm gonna have to to create an example here that will be very tough for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> But like still, when I'm uh, in like maybe a space like even this there right now, I'm working in kind of an L-shaped room, right? And I I spend a lot of time just like thinking about the flow of that room because it feels to me it, it, this always happens to me, right? That I will move furniture around until it feels like things have arrived in a state that feels right. Right. And it's not like and I guess this is maybe how I would uh, kind of answer what I was struggling with earlier. I think that it feels like like almost like a local maxima. Right. Like you read maybe it's not I, I don't feel a need to kind of chase the global one, really. But like I feel a need to get myself to a, at least a local one. Do you not feel like the need to chase a global maxima or do you feel like a global one does not exist? I feel like if you let yourself start chasing, it never ends. So I would rather, so I almost enjoy more drawing the constraints in some way and then saying, well, here's my box. Now, how will I? So like I would say to that, that that very dangerously sounds close to the evolution model. Say more? Like the way you're talking about this, right? Like the way you are saying there is a chair which might be perfect here which wouldn't be perfect in a different condition it's almost like there isn't a perfect chair there is just a perfect chair for now and then that could be applied to people and situations like there isn't a perfect meeting there's just the meeting that you can have now and how good that can like you know how best that can get i think that that actually feels pretty right to me hmm um 
So I kind of just feel like, right, when people, and I, so like if you're in a perfect place, if you're in a perfect mindset, in a perfect place, like there is a, a great sort of uh, way interactions can happen, hmm. right? And a lot of times people are not in that place, right? Hmm. People are like, they're stressed, they're tired, they're, right? And that, then the, those interaction, interactions like have uh, a less likelihood of being as maybe, um, positive or creating as much utility uh, as they would if people were in a more available space. Hmm. So it's worth striving after that ideal, right? And being cognizant of like, when am I in a place that is, is compromising my ability to achieve that ideal? Do you feel like the whole point of trying to strive to the ideal is because you are not sure what you would move towards if you didn't have that ideal like that uh, it's just the direction of your vector i've never thought about it like that um maybe i don't know i mean i don't know how much um like overarching personality goals i guess are like like how much they actually manifest across different things mm-hmm. i don't know uh, to share another example I was uh, listening to this podcast um, of a mathematician uh, a couple of days ago, and he was talking about how he was very shy growing up. And then at one point he moved to France and he realized that shy people um, are not as able to make friends and, you know, do well in life. And he decided he would not be shy anymore. And he just like, right. And then over time he changed his personality. And so he was like, yeah. So when people who knew me from when I lived in Japan, it was like, they were a little bit like, this is strange, but then (laughs) this is just like, so I do think there is some, you know, obviously there is some truth to that where people get like, or even you you were telling me, I think um, a couple of months ago that you like, or sorry, a couple of years ago, you decided that you'd become more funny and then you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once you have an idea of, of your kind of direction, that then you can have this vector that is pushing you um, across different aspects of your life, right? Uh, I would have actually articulated it as sometimes we get stuck in particular directions and we can just decide that we don't have to have that. Like this is a sort of side story. But so my closest friend and I, we have been friends for like 15 years and we haven't had the kind of friendship where we would, we're very warm and loving and caring and kind towards each other, but we don't joke around too much. Okay. And right around the time when I decided I need, I want to be funnier was also the time when we decided, oh, I think we should have like more, more lightness in our friendship. <laughs> okay. And recently we were having some very deep and serious conversation while both laughing and mocking at the thing <laughs> at the same time like oh my god life is crude ha 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 it really is crude and like we weren't we weren't being like false about it we were actually finding it funny and it was just really interesting how much that had changed or like you know seeing for example, my mom, like now start to work out and like, you know, start to take care of her body. It's like in India, most people do not. They don't have a culture yeah. of like, you know, learning to take care of their body, especially as you grow older. People are like, oh, now you just accept that old age, your body is going to betray you. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of this is your brain can get stuck in certain directions. But if you decide, then you can change it, which is why I think like my like 
normal thing is huh there is no ideal just decide from a moment to moment basis as new data comes in and you are able to make a better decision not the best decision but a better decision and better being fits your constraints more appropriately so you also don't even feel like there's an ideal version of yourself yeah oh that's so interesting like i used to have it when i was much younger but i think that like sometime while i was still in college and undergrad it went away i was just like oh i could be like you know i took the switch from physics to design and i could be a physicist sure i could also be a designer i could also like i could live many lives that's interesting cuz like some things like like for example i was late to recording our podcast today um because uh, something came up, right, where where I needed to go and um, uh, meet meet someone, right, and I didn't really feel bad about that, right. Like I felt like you know these kinds of things happen, but when I realized that I had forgotten to upload our podcast, then I was like, this is not. I forgot to upload last week's podcast, right. So like this is not. Um, there I'm just like, oh, right. Like it just makes me feel. I'm like, oh, I need. Like I wish I was better in my systems. Like I wish like. Right, like there's things like I just remember things better. Right, like it's not my ideal version of myself, um, mm. but you don't feel that way. I mean, not never. Of course, like I do feel the feelings. We had a conversation last week where I was like, I am a really horrible person. <laughs> um, but I think that like unless I'm in a very dark place mentally, it doesn't happen to me. Interesting. Like for me, honestly, it's more of a sign of oh, you are probably moving slowly, inching towards a depressive state. That's so interesting. I was talking with one of my family members a, a week or so ago, and it was interesting because uh, she was sharing with me like all of these behaviors she wished other people would do, uh, mm-hmm. and also in our family, right? And it was just it was interesting because I usually don't think like that. I mean, sometimes I do, but not like frequently where I'm like, oh, I wish like this person would change their personality trait. Like for some reason, I, my my pushing of idealness doesn't go to to that. Have you read this book about transactional analysis? I'm okay, you're okay? No, I've heard a lot about transactional analysis too. And I've, I've yeah, no, I have not read this book. Tell me about it. Um, so it's basically like there are four quadrants, right? So I'm not okay. You're not okay. I'm not okay. You are okay. I'm huh. okay. You're not okay. And I'm okay. You're okay. Right? Where it's like whose existence do you feel like is bringing up bringing the misery in your life? So for certain people, it would be like my existence is bringing misery. Everyone else is fine. And for some people, it would be like everyone else is not okay. I am okay. Oh, like I'm perfect. I'm fine. If only all of these other people didn't do the garbage things that they are doing and didn't indulge in the garbage behaviors that they are indulging in. And then there are people who would be like, "I'm also not fine. You're also not fine." And we're all playing out our patterns. And according to at least like this uh, psychoanalyst who wrote this book, he was like, "You." ideal like if you processed things then you would arrive at like i'm okay you are okay like you're gonna do your things and i'm gonna do my things and misery is like you know yeah inevitable kind of yeah like of course cognitively these things are much easier to accept than emotionally but yeah 
So I feel like you've had more experience with me in like working with a diversity of different kinds of companies. Um, and I'm curious, like, how much do you feel like that kind of, uh, whether it's awareness as kind of maybe the first level and then kind of being like just cognizant maybe about it. Like one is being awareness of yourself and one is like kind of being cognizant of the, how is this happening in the culture of our company? Like how much do you feel like those things have mattered uh, to the kind of company's ability to execute or, or operationalize? Have they mattered? A lot. Have people been aware of it? Very little. Interesting. So sometimes they have situations that work well without realizing. Yeah. I mean, so um, one of my friends, she uh, was in an ed tech company. She was like one of the founding team members and uh, was a part of the team, I think, for eight, nine years or maybe 10, like somewhere around that mark. Um, and I think she is probably the one person who I have talked to who had a lot of models for interpersonal conflict resolution in teams and for like just figuring out things, getting people on the same page. And like a lot of it, um, like I don't know if you have discussed the 10, 100,000 thing on the podcast before, but uh, like that's a model that I've gotten from her. There are other things that I've like learned from her. And a lot of it just starts from like building awareness in people. But I don't think that like at least the teams that I've worked with, most of the times they don't have those things either. Like Interesting. Now when I'm consulting with people, often the value that I'm bringing is helping them figure out, hey, here are the questions you can ask yourself to figure out how you are thinking things and what is everyone valuing and why are they valuing the things that they're valuing. Yeah. Then I think about it, like I think a lot of the companies that we um, kind of were, were chatting with earlier uh, this year and, and last year, mm. because people had had conflict, people didn't know how to resolve it. And then th the results of that after time become very strange in an organization because yeah. you have like sets of a company that don't really work well to, to each other. A lot of assumptions about what people's motivations are. It's just it becomes a very crazy scene um, to try and unpack. I also think that like a lot of times people don't understand the value of aftercare. Like I'm borrowing a term from the BDSM community, but like people really, really don't get the idea that you can quote unquote resolve a conflict and still not feel okay because there is some friction that has caused abrasion on your bond with the person. Yeah. And you need to do something to like ease that friction. Like you need to do something to make that pain go away even like just resolving the core issue is not going to be enough and not in a bad way i feel like the thing my father has been very good at in a lot of the companies he has had is creating spaces and expectations for people to behave in other ways so like like there's always just been this tradition that like there will always be like like a TT tournament happening in the office at all times somewhere <laughs> there's like just so many TT tables right and then like like Aditi which was his first company uh, always had like they had an annual day which like you were meant to bring your family and then they would have like the Aditi day that was like a party to like drink and like there's just like many environments that you would see people behaving outside of their just like classic work environment mm. and i think even when i worked in some of the satellite offices like i worked in the london office and the london office just had this really strong culture that we all went out for drinks every day or nearly every day and it got crazy <laughs> i mean i you know i was at a certain point in my life where i could have two large whiskeys with my boss but 
for other people, it was kind of crazy because what are you going to do if your boss is having two large whiskeys? You're going to have two large whiskeys too, you know? And it's hard to do it. Um, means you're a little bit drunk when you're going home to your family. Um, but it made you see everyone in a certain, right? Like after it happens day after day, it's not like, oh, this person got drunk. Like everyone's gotten a little bit drunk. Everyone's done something kind of stupid or like mm-hmm. spilled their drink or their chips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, but when I think about it from myself, and I'd be curious if you if you also think of that way, I always end up thinking a lot in terms of like structural incentives and how like wh- how how is the the environment being created around people expecting them to work in a certain way? Because I I always just come from that my starting kind of lens, if you will, is that kind of place where I'm like, well, you know, what incentives have we done, and what behaviors are we expecting, and therefore is it crazy to imagine this person is going to behave in a different way when everything the structure around it is expecting them to behave in that way. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I have overlapped with that, especially like if I put on my game designer cap, then I start thinking, okay, how is the system sort of incentivizing people? Like what motivations are intrinsic? What motivations are extrinsic? And like what behaviors that would lead to? But honestly, I also think internally, I try to come from a place of, personal agency not personal responsibility i think responsibility is always of the system but i think agency can be on every single person in the team that's so interesting it's funny because i keep so much agency for myself (laughs) but then i very often i think i especially when i'm working with people i like forget about their agency i don't know or, or rather i take the the responsibility to make the path that i think is the right path the easiest hmm I mean, I don't know if this is the right spot to sort of close our conversation on, but I think something that I've been learning recently in my life has been not to make decisions for other people, like have some humility and like not make choices for other people thinking that, oh, this is in your best interest. Yeah, no, I know when you say it like that, obviously it feels very obvious, right? Like that, like, yes. But I think what what I was trying to say is like, how are you thinking through the the situations you're creating for your people, you know? And I think hmm. that there's this this ability for, for people to be like, yeah, right, you can make your own choices. And it's like, well, can you? Like, how much have you enabled for them to make their own choices, hmm. you know? And I think, yeah, and I think that responsibility kind of starts to come to you as you, as you like, manage people, as you employ people, like how much are you enabling them to have agency? No, that's a very fair point. It's very Mm. easy to sort of like push it. It's one of those things where like, oh, women should speak out in the office more. (laughs) And it's like, well, sure. But is the the thing that is stopping women empowerment women? (laughs) Like, let's really question that. Uh, No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, see, look, here also we've arrived at the same conclusion from slightly different points. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, but I think that's what keeps it so interesting. I think when you can find someone who, like, you know, you have enough overlap with that you're able to understand where they're coming from, but then you have enough differences that it's always interesting to understand their perspective. It's just, like, it's it's endlessly entertaining because there's endless possibilities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And on this note, I think we can say bye and we can have like maybe more conversation around this idea of like coming from different perspective would be interesting at some point in the future. Yeah. 
I think talking about some of these things in more specific will also be interesting. Yes. Okay, let's okay. talk about that sometime. Okay, bye. bye. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking on Thinking. Our theme music is by Steve Combs and you can find a link to it in the show notes.